Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face And still another hundred miles to my next resting place Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon Within my car I'm all alone But feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa, the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me, as always, is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey, Kelly, how's it going? Hey, well, I'm sick, but otherwise good. <laughs> My husband gave me the, a cold. That is not the gift that I want. <laughs> we have to have a conversation about this. But it's the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> yes, it is. Lots and lots of phlegm. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. How much I love y'all that I'm still recording. So. <laughs> You're definitely a trooper. That's that's the warrior aspect of you coming out. That's it. So I'm going back to bed when this is done. So today we're actually going to do an episode entirely dedicated to a question that was asked by one of our listeners. See, it does count to ask questions because we actually do answer them. Yes. So uh, you want to read the question? Absolutely. Okay. This question came from Gaming Thea. So thank you so much for the question. Um, Kelly Sparta, the spirit doctor. Okay, so this is unrelated, but it is an episode request. I'm attending a magic circle for the first time in a few weeks, and I'd love to have you walk us through etiquette when it comes to participating in magic circles or any other gathering where people do energetic work. I suppose I'm worried that my energy will be invasive or messy for the other event participants without me even realizing. I'd love for you to talk about things we can do on our own before and after events like this to prepare ourselves energetically so we are not bringing anything bad to the table for other people to deal with. Any advice is much appreciated. Um, love you so much, and thank you for the wonderful content you and Jules bring us each week. Aw, thank you, Thea. That was very sweet. You're totally welcome. So <clears throat> there's a lot to unpack in this. So I'm going to ha- ask you to keep me on track with the, the description thing. So first thing is, I just want to say this is such a fantastic question because so many people are like, I'm going to my first ritual. What do I do? I don't, I don't know. What do I, what's expected of me? Am I going to screw up? Am I going to get screwed? You know, <laughs> what's going to happen? Right. So <clears throat> a great question. And so what I'm going to do with this episode is I'm going to try and give you an orientation to what you should expect. Now, the, um, you know, uh, I'll go into the minute because I want to address the first question, which is why or, you know, what her concern is around her energy impacting other people and all of that, right? So, and by the way, I am assuming gender. So, Thea, if, if, if I'm assuming the wrong gender, I apologize now. So, uh, but it's easier. Anyway, um, <clears throat> the issue number one is your energy field. If you do not want your energy field to impact others, then, then I'm going to redirect you back to the website. I know I, if you've been listening for any length of time to this podcast, you're probably really tired of hearing this. But if not, go to the homepage of my website, to kellysparta.com, and 
uh, download. It's directly underneath my photo there on the homepage. It says download, free download, boundaries for empaths program. And that is the answer to this question. Um, which is how do you keep your energy from impacting other people? Well, you pull it in and you don't let it bleed all over everybody else. So that's not to say that other people won't be bleeding over you because they have not been listening to this podcast and they, they may be shoving their energy field out as far as they possibly can. And which way, you know, that's them doing it to you, but at least you will not be guilty of it. So. And when you pull your energy field back in, you will be less impacted by their energy field being pushed all over you. So that will be a bonus as well. So <clears throat> that's number one. So pull your energy field in before you go, you know, and because you're going to be nervous before you walk in the door, pull in your energy field. When you sit down, pull in your energy field because it's going to keep popping out because you're going to be freaking out because you've never done this before and you're afraid of messing it up. And when we do that, we go back to our old patterns, which is to shove our energy field out to make sure that everybody's okay with us. Right? So you're going to have to do this over and over and over again throughout the process. Just know that and it's okay. Know that the vast majority of the other people in the room are going to be in the exact same space as you in terms of their, uh, you know, if they're new, they're going to be just as nervous as you are. If they aren't, they're probably still going to be shoving their energy fields out because this work attracts people who are empaths and that's what empaths do. So basically what I'm saying is do your best. And if your best sucks, that's okay because theirs is going to suck too. So, <clears throat> you know, it's all good. Anyway, uh, so let's talk about what to expect rather than going into anything else. Let's talk about what to expect. Okay. Is I'm going to give you a general rough outline of what a circle looks like. What happens within the circle will vary. Uh, the circle itself will vary. And, you know, if you go back to, uh, the episodes that we did on circle, setting circles and wards and, uh, sacred containers and what's a ritual and blah, 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 blah. There's lots and lots of times we've talked about this, but we're going to talk about it in terms of what happens when you're entering someone else's space that they're setting, which is a different animal than doing it yourself or, you know, being involved with a group where you're doing it jointly. So. When you're walking into somebody else's space, which means you have a high priest or a high priestess who's running the circle, which is typically what this work looks like, um, <clears throat> it's going to vary depending upon the type of magic being done. If you are walking into a hermetic or high ceremonial magic circle, it's going to be far more structured and you should be far more careful about what you do and don't do. And uh, that's the bad news. The good news is that they are likely to give you very clear instructions about what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do. Do not violate those instructions or you will be spanked heartily. Okay. You can expect that that will be true because boundary setting is one of the most significant things you have to learn in magic because if you can't set a decent boundary, you can't set a circle, right? And so um, they are likely to spank you pretty hard if you screw up in that scenario. So pay attention when they give the instructions and really do your best to, to not violate what they've set as boundary. Can, can, can you give us an example of what you're talking about, like what, what a boundary, like, is it like you don't, once you're in the circle, you don't leave it or is there other kind of things? That is, that is almost always an instruction. 
And if it isn't an instruction, it is an implied. Once the circle is set, you do not leave until it is released. And if anybody is leaving the circle, they're probably supporting the circle and they're, they're energetically shifting to go in and out. So, you know, they are what they are, but you do not leave once the circle is set. If you do not want to be there once you're in it, that's fine. But here's the thing. You're inside an energetic container with these people. Once you're in, you're in. Unless they cut you out of that circle, you will be carrying that energy with you, even if you leave. So, and you don't want to leave without that circle being dropped because you could be carrying that energy for a long time. So it is important to stay till the end. Now you can opt out of the experience while still being in the circle and maintaining the space and not violating the space. You are in someone else's sacred space. You are opting into their experience. If you are finding the experience to be uncomfortable or unacceptable, which I have to admit has happened on occasion in my experience, then you may opt out energetically. And that means you may say, okay, I'm in here. I'm here, but I'm not participating. And you just tell the guides, you know, this is not something you have to do out loud. It's just something you say to your guides. You say to yourself, you say to the the spirits that are in the space, you say, I am no longer comfortable here. I am opting out. And you can, and then you just stay until the end. Okay. But if you get triggered and bolt, all bets are off. You're, you're going to be hosed. Don't do that. Okay. Now, <clears throat> with a hermetic or high ceremonial tradition, in most cases, you will be, not be given anything to do except whatever they tell you to do in the moment because they work on a highly scripted process. And they all have roles that they're supposed to do. And so, you know, you might be handed a grail to drink from and make a wish or whatever, but you will be told very clearly exactly what to do at exactly what time. So uh, as long as you just follow the process, you'll be good. Now, with more chaos magician, (laughs) lower ceremonial, more eclectic traditions, you could see a wide variety of, of things. And some people are going to be better at giving instructions than others. So if it's a open circle where they regularly have newbies come in, they probably have a pretty good uh, format for explaining to you what to expect and what you should do and not do and so on. And just listen to the instructions. You'll be fine. If this is a closed group and you're being invited in, then they're probably going to suck at giving instructions. So uh, you need to ask before the circle is set, what is expected. And that actually is a statement of respect. And it tells the person running the circle that you care. And you just say, look, I've never done this before. Can you give me an idea of what's expected? Or can you prompt me as we go so that I know what to do? Am I allowed to speak? Am I not allowed to speak? Am I only supposed to speak when spoken to? What What is, what are the, the parameters for this particular ritual? Because Here's the thing, depending upon what you're doing, it may vary. Okay. The one thing I will say is absolutely not allowed, no matter where you go, is for you to step in and try and run things. 
when I say run things, I mean, you don't get to coach the person who's in the room. You don't get to help them with the process. You don't get to make suggestions along the way. Shut your mouth. This is not your space. It is not your job to be doing these things. And as much as you think you're helping, you're not. You're actually in the way. Especially if the person knows what they're doing, which not everybody does, but that's not your job. <laughs> I've been in circles. I have been in circles where they didn't know what they were doing and I did not open my mouth. So let me say this to you now. You do not know better. It is not your circle. It is not your place. Okay. If they are fucking it up, let them fuck it up. The people who opted in have opted into that experience. Suck it up. You know, this is their space. You do not interfere. That is the cardinal sin of doing, of, of going into somebody else's ritual is trying to come in and quote unquote help without being asked. That is the cardinal sin. Okay. And that is the one that's hardest for us because we're like, but, but I know, but I know. And this is how I create my value is by knowing. And I, but I have to know you really don't. You really don't. Okay. So in general, what you will discover as you come in is that there will be a time of greeting and gathering. Likely you will be smudged or some other form of clearing your energy field. You will come in. The circle will be set. Um, I, I should back up. There's, there's usually a time of orientation for somebody new, right? Before the circle gets set. So you'll likely be oriented after you're smudged because you're already in the room. They bring you into the room. You'll be oriented about what to expect. You may or may not be handed a script or a handout of some kind. Um, and uh, then you will be brought into the circle. The circle will be opened. Uh, you may or may not be asked to contribute something to that, in which case, you know, sometimes they say call in your ancestors or anybody you feel like you want in the room who's crossed over or a guide or whatever. Sometimes they give you that option. Sometimes they don't. And then you will begin whatever the ritual is that you are doing for the day. And that ritual is likely, depending on the size of the group, most rituals take between like, I don't know, half an hour, 40 minutes, and um, maybe an hour and a half max. So regardless, that's about what you're in for. And then the ritual will be completed by closing the ritual. And usually there is some form of feast afterwards. So, and when I say feast, it's usually like chocolate and fruit or you know, bread and cheese or something like that, right? So uh, there's usually some sort of meal, not a full meal, but, you know, something to eat. Please do eat if you can. If, if you're not allergic to whatever's there, please do eat. The, there is a purpose to the eating, and that is to ground you after you have completed the ceremony. And it'll pull you back into your body. Eating and digesting causes you to come back into your body. So please do eat if a feast is offered. If not, I highly recommend having a protein bar or something with you. And protein is best, right? So a hard-boiled egg or a protein bar or something like that would be best to have with you so that you can eat before you try and drive home. Uh, under no circumstances, if you're feeling airy-fairy, like, you know, airheaded. When you're done, do not go out in your car and drive. 
because you are not safe to drive. You need to see the person who's running the event and say, I'm having a hard time grounding. Can you help me? And they will help you. All right. So that's basically the general structure and format of what you will find in a circle. Uh, let's talk about what's expected of you and not expected of you ab- above and beyond the cardinal sin piece. So, <laughs> so uh, what is expected of you? You may find that you are asked to anoint yourself with an oil. If you have allergies, please let people know this when you're coming in the room so that they don't use something that you're allergic to forcing you to leave the room. Okay. Everybody is conscious of this. If they've done this for any length of time with any number of people, they're going to be conscious of the fact that some people can and can't do certain scents. Okay. So please do tell people it's far less disruptive to say I have an allergy than it is to be going, and then having to leave the room. That's far more disruptive than just saying something up front. Okay. That's like me. That's like me with eucalyptus. I I can't, I I will, you talk about sneezing one behind the other. So, and that could be, that could be something that people put in the room. So, you know, this is the, this is the moment when you, when you're walking in the door, this is the moment to tell the person I'm allergic. And if it's already in the room, they may say, well, then you probably shouldn't come in because I can't take it out. It's already been here. Right. Um, In which case you shouldn't take it. Personally, it's just them saying, you know, let's look out for you. I can't fix it, but I can pay attention for next time. Right. Um, and then, you know, again, if you're organizing, if you're doing this online uh, with somebody, you may want to email them in advance and let them know of your allergy, but remind them again when you're at the door, because not everybody remembers all the time. Life is busy and we forget. So uh, you may be asked to anoint yourself with oil. You may be asked to do some sort of uh, cleansing property thing. You know, it depends on what's going on as to what what's happening. Uh, you may be asked to write some stuff down. So you may want to bring a journal with you. Uh, most of the time, if that's going to be the case, they'll warn you and say, hey, bring a journal. But bring one anyway, because oftentimes it's helpful to write down what happened Especially if you're brand new, it's good to write down all of the elements and and the order in which they happen because then you could start to learn how these things are structured and how they work. You can write down what worked and what didn't work, what made you comfortable, what made you uncomfortable. This is how we learn as we go through our processes. I highly recommend that you go to a lot of different people's rituals because everybody runs it a little differently And you're going to learn what works and what doesn't work. And you're going to start to recognize this is good ritual and this is bad ritual. And yes, there are good and bad rituals. (laughs) So as you're stepping into the space, try to stay out of concern about what other people are thinking about you. Because I promise you, they aren't. If you have done this work for any length of time, the moment you step into that circle you are mostly not paying attention to anybody else other than the high priest or priestess and the instructions that are being given. You are doing internal work in yourself. You are mostly not paying any attention to anybody else. So you can let go of the idea that people are judging you. They're not even noticing you. Okay. And then uh, if you have other new people in the room, Oftentimes in the gathering space, you'll, you'll be able to identify the other new people because they're going to look really uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. They're not going to be talking. I get deer in the headlights. 
<laughs> yeah, deer in the headlights. What's going on? I'm desperately afraid. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just going to sit here in the corner. Look for the person like that. They're going to be your buddy. And you're going to walk over and go, are you new too? And they're going to go, yes. And you're going to go, great. Let's be new together. They'll be like, great. Thanks. Okay. And you guys can sit next to each other and hold hands if you need to. <laughs> it's okay. There is this uh, statement. If you're going to a Wiccan-based circle... Uh, almost unilaterally, and I'm not going to say this for everybody because everybody's different, but uh, almost unilaterally, you will be uh, addressed with imperfect love and perfect trust. That is a phrase that is used within the Wiccan circle dynamic, coven dynamic. And the perfect love and perfect trust means that we are open to each other with no holds barred. We are allowing the energy to flow through us and we are connecting our energies for the purposes of this working. Now, that is both good and bad, okay? Because it lacks all boundaries, right? So, like, oh, I'm going to mix my energy with everybody else's, yay, right? Uh, but it also means that I'm going to join my will with everyone else's, and together we are more than the sum of our parts. And so this is why it is fairly common within Wiccan practice to have closed circles or closed covens, because then you get to know each other really well. You get to understand who the other people are. You get to the point where you can feel connected enough to the other people that you feel safe to do that perfect love and perfect trust. It is aspirational in a public circle. It is not actual because, you know, very few people are able to open at that level to people they don't know, especially those of us drawn to magic who have trust issues. Yay. So, however, we also come in with really bad boundaries. So to a certain extent, it does exist. <laughs> it's kind of a catch 22 both and, right? You know, this, I just want you to be aware that that's what that phrase means in perfect love and perfect trust. Okay. Um, the there will be a calling of the quarters in some way to open the circle. And we talked about that in episode four pretty substantially, and we actually cast a circle on that episode. So if you haven't listened to that yet, that's a great way to go and listen to that. Um, in a Wiccan circle, you will have calling on the watchtowers of the north, south, east, and west. In a shamanic circle, you will have a calling on the... The, the spirit animals and the energies of the North, South, East, and West, uh, as well as Father Sky and Pachamama. There are a variety of traditions, and they will have different ways of doing it. And I, I mean, I've been in traditions where it was never the same twice. And I've been in traditions where it was always the same every freaking time word for word, exactly the same and everything in between. So, uh, you know, if you are an experienced practitioner, they may, and they know you are, you may walk in the door and they may say, here, you're calling this quarter. And I'm like, you're like, oh, okay. And they'll tell you, they may hand you a slip of paper or they may just say, call it. And isn't it a, isn't it a different order? Wiccan is one way. Um, and there's a Shema. I remember you and, you and Kathy had that discussion where, Something's opposite. Yeah, uh, not all the time and not in every tradition. So 
Uh, every tradition has their own order in which they call things. In most Wiccan traditions, it's north, east, south, and west. In other traditions, it can be varying things. So it just depends on the tradition and uh, sometimes even where the tradition originated. If, if it originated south of the equator, then the, the directions are always going to be different. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it just depends, right? So, um, you know, you just go with the flow. So that you may find that more than just the high priest or high priestess are involved in the casting of the circle and the elements of the ritual and whatever, just know that that is something that is decided upon by the person leading the circle, not by you volunteering. Okay. I highly, highly, highly recommend that if this is your first circle ever, you do not volunteer for anything. Okay. Because you don't know how it fits into the bigger picture. You don't know what's expected of you. You don't know anything. Please do not volunteer if you have never done this before. You are in a better position to just sit and be part of the circle and allow it to work upon you rather than trying to be part of the structure that you don't even understand yet. Okay. So even if they say, do you want to smudge? I want you to say no. Okay. And you say, I was instructed to just participate this time. Okay. And that way you have an excuse and say, this is my very first one. I've been told that I should just participate and not actually be part of things. Now, if the high priest or priestess insists and hands it to you, do what they tell you. Okay. It is their space. Okay. But I highly recommend that you not volunteer. If you are voluntold, that's one thing. But don't volunteer. Okay. Um, when in doubt, the high priest or priestess rule applies. So there is a rare instance, a very rare instance where in some circles, they may do their ritual sky clad, which means naked. Okay. The whole thing? The whole thing. I'm in my birthday suit for the whole thing. It, it, it is part of the perfect love and perfect trust thing is that you're showing you get nothing. You have nothing to hide and you are open to the elements in all ways. Okay. I have only been to one of these in my entire life. Okay. So they are rare in uh, circles where a newbie might be invited. Okay. So they are very, very rare. So I'm going to say it is highly unlikely, like almost impossible that you will be invited to one of these. Okay. However, if the word skyclad is used in the invitation, that is what it means. If you are uncomfortable. Skyclad. Skyclad. I am, I am wearing only the sky. That is what skyclad means. I am clad in the sky. Okay. See, I didn't even know what that, what that, where that was coming from. So thank right. you. All right. So if the word skyclad is used in the invitation, you are going to be expected to be naked. It is not a sexual thing. I want to be very clear. There is no sex involved. It is simply about being completely open and unfettered to the universe. It has nothing to do with sex. And you need to get really clear about that if you're going to say yes to this invitation. Okay. In this case, nakedness is about being natural in your body, not about sexuality or how good you look or how bad you look or whatever, right? Nobody cares. In a sky-clad ritual, nobody is evaluating your body in any way, shape, or form. They don't care. They're still not paying attention to you, okay? Even if I'm naked, they're still not paying attention to me. They are still not paying attention to you. 
Oh, that makes me feel so much better. Okay. (laughs) Nobody cares. Okay. Nobody cares. Yeah. So I have been to a number of uh, clothing optional spaces. And that is fairly common in the pagan community if you go to certain spaces that they are clothing optional. And it gets very normalized. And it is non-sexualized and nobody cares. But unless it says skyclad, you are not going to be asked to get naked. Okay. But I just wanted you to know what the name of that term was so that you would not be surprised because you'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just sort of gloss over it. Do not gloss over that word. It means something that's relevant to you. Okay. <laughs> okay. And, and, and probably in, if, if it's a regular tradition that's not as skyclad, we participating should not get naked unless, you know, called for. Like, don't just go, oh, I'm just getting one with the universe. No, no, no. 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 <laughs> No, 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 no. So unless it is specifically spelled out that it will be a skyclad ritual, it will be a clothed ritual. So it is just to make that perfectly clear. Correct. Mm, Anything you can think of that you want to ask me about that you would be concerned about? Oh, she did ask for what would happen afterwards, what she should do after. Well, and and how do, how do I prepare before? In other words, like I, I know the ones that I, that I did with the moon circle, it was, you know, you take the, the cleansing bath beforehand, but I was also wondering, like, do you, since you're going to feast, do you fast before? Does that kind of change or, eh, you know, you can, I never have, you could, um, I, you know, here's the thing. This is your first time doing magic in a group. I would not recommend fasting beforehand because if your blood sugar crashes and while your energy is up high, you're really going to have a hard time orienting. Okay. So I, I really don't recommend fasting in advance. If you want to do a purification bath, you're welcome to do that, but it is not expected that you will have. And so therefore any purification required will be included in the ritual. So again, optional, not necessary. In terms of prepping, the thing that I would say is give your, don't, don't come screaming in at the last second, stressed out from where you've been, you know, try and do everything you can to be half an hour early for the, the gathering space so that you know that even if you're running late, you're going to be on time. So that you're not stressed out, freaked out, bringing all this fritzy, nasty energy in with you, right? That is the single most important thing is to just give yourself space to land when you've arrived and to just get present. Stop thinking about your day. Stop thinking about what's coming tomorrow or what's coming that evening and just get really present and walk in the door calm. That is the best thing you can possibly do to prep for a ritual. Depending upon the ritual space, they may have given you instructions for what to do to prep, in which case, by all means, follow their instructions. Okay. But in the absence of instructions, just get present and arrive early. Okay. Do not knock on that door before they say that the the gathering time is available, though. Okay. Sit in your car. Sit outside. I don't care. But they are prepping the space and they are often setting space before you get there. And you will interrupt them if you arrive, if you knock on the door early. Okay. So until the door is opened or until the time says that they're ready to start, don't, don't arrive. Okay. Um, and then post. Uh, event, we talked about making sure you're grounded. We talk about making sure that you eat. 
in terms of integration time, you definitely do not want to leave a ritual and go out to a bar or a party. Don't do that. That'll mess with you. Okay. Your energy is going to be very sensitive because you will have just done transformational work. And therefore, you don't want to have all these other people's energies all around you messing with you. It's going to be very dissonant. So do not plan to go anywhere else after your ritual for at least a few hours. Okay. You want to give yourself time to land and integrate. When I say a few hours, I mean three to four hours minimum before you go anywhere else. So if you did an afternoon ritual, you could go out in the evening. I still would not recommend going out drinking. Okay. Don't. Do what that. about hy- hydrating as far as water and all? Water is always a good idea. No matter what, 24-7, water is a good idea. Yes, yes, yes to water. Uh, but in terms of, uh, you know, don't take mind-altering substances. Absolutely do not take mind- mind-altering substances before you walk in either. This is not the time to do psychedelics. This is not the time to be high. This is not the time to be drunk. Under no circumstances should you ever walk into a ritual altered because you are now dangerous to every person in the room. And you are a liability to the person running the space because you could get lost and now they have to go find your ass and drag you back, which is highly more likely if you are altered than if you are not. Okay. So wait, 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 what I'm there in the circle. What do you mean? Go find me. I'm, you mean I would wander off the premises? No, energetically, energetically. So if they take you out on a, on a guided meditation, you're going to disappear. You're going to go somewhere other than where they're taking you because you're altered and you are not paying attention. And therefore you're going to, yeah, this shit happens all the time. Yeah. All the time. It happens to people who are not altered. But if you're altered, it makes it even harder because you will often leave the plane that they're on, the plane of existence that they're on, and you may shift into a different astral plane if you are altered. So, And it may make them very difficult for them to find you. Now, with that said, if you are on medication, do not stop taking your medication. Okay. That is the exact, that's the opposite of it, right? If you are on medication, do not stop taking your medication to do your rituals. That is the same thing as showing up altered. Now, that doesn't count if I have my medical license for medical marijuana. That way I can, I can do that before the ritual. Cause you know, there's going to be some smart ass out there that says that. No, that is, that is not unless, unless the medical marijuana is required for you to function. If your anxiety is so high that you cannot function without it, that is the only way that that would count as medical marijuana usage before an event. Now, if you are, if you're on chemotherapy and you need to do it to be not nauseous, then sure, that counts too. Okay. But don't do it to the point where you're not conscious. Okay. You want to do the absolute minimum necessary to medicate yourself and then keep your wits about you for the rest of it. That is the idea. Okay. You want to be as conscious and as present as possible. You cannot do your work if you are not conscious and present for this work. Right. Okay. Now on the other side, um, no partying afterwards, you know, give yourself a quiet place to land, get, you know, sit down and journal about your experience so that you can, you know, have it fresh in your mind and figure out where you want to go with whatever it is that you did. 
right? Because, you know, whatever the ritual was, it will have had an impact and, and think about how you can take that forward into your life. This is what integration is. Don't go straight into your screens. Don't go binging Netflix. You don't want other people's energy. This is the time to sit and be, listen to some quiet music, do some journaling, sit out in nature, you know, anything you can do to, to be quiet and integrate. Okay. If you want to share with a friend, you can do that. That is what to expect and what you should do before, during, and after a ritual. That's really cool. I had no idea you could get, okay, the movie Lost in Space kind of came into my head. You know, <laughs> like you have to help me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, like Lost in Space and, and you could, I was thinking like this would almost be like walking through a fairy door never to be heard from again. And you don't know how to get the hell out the fairyland. Well, what happens if somebody gets lost and they can't get back is that they end up institutionalized and put on antipsychotics until they come back to their body. Okay, that's not fun. No. Yeah, kids don't do that. That that's just not that worth it. No. On multiple occasions to multiple people. So, jeez. Yeah. Now, is it likely to happen to you if you're not altered? No. It almost never happens to people who are not altered. And actually, I had the the opposite problem. The first few times that I went to the moon circle, me trying to get me to relax into it so I could get into the meditation and let that happen and all that. I mean, the first time I tried it, I had one, I had every, it was over Zoom because it was, you know, uh, all that, but every technical problem that could happen, happened. My camera kept shutting off. My fully charged um, laptop zero battery, the whole nine yards. And it's like, you're not doing this tonight. I got so upset. And then, (laughs) yeah, resistance much. And then powerful or anything there, Jules. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) It's like, bitch, you ain't doing this. I'm like, yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. And then I was so upset with myself because the next time I could not, I came out of the meditation so quickly. She was still, Charlemagne was still going on, but I was like, what, wait, I gotta get back. Why, why am I back already? And, but that was supposed to happen that way for whatever reason, because I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. And by me shedding those tears, it actually let room so that I could let that love in as to that's what the whole uh, meditation was about and connecting with, with the moon and all. And, that whole thing, I, I forgot what was in what and what, if it was a full moon or a new moon, but because I don't remember all that. But the whole thing was about finding your love within yourself and being able to accept love and all that. So I went on a completely different journey. Right. And that happens sometimes. That does. And this this is the thing about this work is that you set the intention for what it is that you need to get. And spirit will take you there whatever way you need to get there. Yeah, and Lord knows I'm hard-headed sometimes, so they hit me over the head a couple of times. <laughs> There's a reason we call it the spiritual clue by four to the forehead. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn, that hurt my third eye. <laughs> Hello, McFly. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm like, okay, I know. You know, you already know I'm hard-headed. They're like, yeah, we got this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, this is, this is why it happens that way. So, okay. So I think we've sort of covered the gamut and 
gaming Thea, again, thank you so much for this question. It was such a great question. And, you know, this is, you know, she's, she's always excited about the right magic for the right applications. So this is, she, she made this as a comment on that um, most recent episode that came out on YouTube. And so, um, I'm going to say if you're also like her going, please don't stop doing these. I love them. We are running out of topics for that one. So if you want more of the right magic for the right application, you need to send in some topics so that we know what to talk about or ask questions like this one, because this, this was great for being able to lay some stuff out for you. So there's such a wide swath of stuff that, you know, figuring out what piece of that wide swath to talk about next is, is our biggest challenge over here. Even after four years of doing this, <laughs> four years and 289 episodes. 80, this is 287. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, something like that. So even after all of that, we still have a hard time coming up with uh, exactly what we should do for the next one. So if you have uh, topic ideas, please email them in to Kelly at kellysparta.com. I would love to hear them. And as always, please like, share and rate uh, and review if you have that option on your podcast player. And, uh, you know, join the mailing list. If you, if you're doing the boundaries from pads download that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. And yes, this is me reminding you because I know you've already forgotten. Uh, so if you do that, then you'll get on the mailing list automatically and you'll get the boundaries from pads download. And the, there's like, I, I think there's like four or five other emails that come with additional information around that topic. So stay on the mailing list so that you get all of the pieces, including. There's like a 40 minute video of me or audio of me talking with coaching students about it. So, uh, that explains it in great detail, right? So, uh, if, if that's not interesting to you, just go on the website, wait 30 seconds and there'll be a pop up that says, Hey, join the mailing list and you'll get on the mailing list that way. So anyway, I think that's all we've got for this week. Uh, oh, you're going to want a Kellyism, aren't you? Um, well, you know, I am. I know you are. I know you are. <laughs> Let me think about it. Um, it, it could be, uh, don't get naked unless you're asked to do so. <laughs> well, that's a jewelism now. <laughs> <laughs> that's your jewelism at ritual. Do not get naked unless you're asked to do so. <laughs> or the invitation says sky clad, which is a new word I learned. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I, I think I'm going to go with, um, don't worry so much. Follow the instructions you're given and go with the flow. There you go. Go with the flow. <laughs> and don't piss off your high priest or priestess. Yeah. <laughs> That's generally a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. It may be both, by the way. It could be both a high priest and priestess. That is sometimes the case as well. Oh, really? Like to have two of them and yep. all? And Oh, that's cool. Yeah, okay. that's traditional, actually. Uh, it's just not very common these days because uh, the... It's for one, there's a dearth of men in spiritual practice, period. So like 75% of the people who listen to this podcast are women. And that's pretty much true of any spiritual community you go to is 75% of the people are going to be women and 25% will be, will be men or, you know, and, and obviously there's non-binary in there as well. Um, but, you know, I'm just working general gross numbers. Um, but the, uh, the upshot being that there are very many fewer men. And so more often the rituals are run by high priestesses. Um, and it's rare to find a couple doing it these days. You know, when I say couple, they're not usually, they're not necessarily romantically paired. 
Uh, they're just serving as the divine couple in leading the ritual. So, yeah. So that could be the case as well, which I didn't mention before. But this is the bonus that you get for listening all the way to the all end. All the of way this. through. <laughs> when you listen all the way to the end, we give you little nuggets of happiness. And this is one of them. Be happy. No more. Be happy. Yes. All right. Well, that is all that we have for this week, folks. Tune in next time when Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Jules, here with Kelly Sparta, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, everyone. Bye. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon. Within my car, I'm all alone. But feeling good and feeling strong. Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself. I'm driving.